Yeah, we, we had fun. We had a lot of fun. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to preach this morning on words. Words. How powerful are they? They're very powerful. Let's talk about this for a minute and let's think about something for a second. God talks. Man talks. Dogs don't. Why do dogs not talk? Because they would rule your house. (laughs) Along with the cat. But God gave man the ability to do something that only God can do, and that's to converse and talk. Whoever has the ability to use words has the ability to rule. God gave us the ability to rule, and you and I have the ability to change anything we want changed. How important are words? Very important. Very important. So Romans chapter 12, we were here um, two weeks ago and um, talking about the renewing of the mind. So let me, let me just read Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world. Don't, don't allow the world to press you into its mold. But be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Go to James chapter 3. So the church in America today has, we, we, have, this, we have this philosophy or this doctrine or this teaching that every time we want something to change, We pray and 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 and hope that God will come down and shake everybody in the building and change your circumstances. And that is not true. That's not true. Because if it was, he'd have done it by now. So he loves you. He doesn't want you to be where you are. So he made a statement. He said, if you want change, you be changed By the renewing of your mind. Now, why did he say that? First of all, when you were born again, he did all he could do in you and he finished his job. He's done. He did what you couldn't do. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't defeat sin. You couldn't defeat Satan. You could not become a new creation. All of that had to be done by the Lord, and he did it for you. And he made you and I a new creation, a new species, the very righteousness of God. All of that was done by Jesus, and we talked about that at Easter. But then that means if you can handle my statement, you're only a third saved. Now, I didn't say you weren't going to heaven. I didn't say you're not saved. God has only done one third of the work that needs to be done in you for you to have the life you want and to have a better life if you want one. But God is, is, is waiting on you to do the other third or the other two thirds unless he can get you to renew your mind 
and bring your mind into agreement with what he did in your spirit, he cannot help you. And pray and pray and pray all you want to. You're asking God to change the diaper of the baby you have. God don't change diapers. You have the baby, you change the diaper. He don't mow your grass. He's not helping your kids with their homework. God help me with my homework. You're going to have to study. I'm sorry. I'll drop a bomb on you. The problem with this is that this takes time. There is no fast answer to victory. Now, does God occasionally come along and bypass all of that and help you out some? Yeah, he does. He does. He's good. He loves us. He knows when you're a baby that you're a baby, so he feeds you. He knows that you need a mama that changes you. But there comes a day when you're going to have to take care of your own bathroom and schoolwork. God, God's going to have a point where you're going to have to get your own mind lined up with what he did if you ever expect to have the life you want to have. And God wants you to have it. He wants you blessed. He wants you healed. He wants you exceeding abundant. He wants all of that for you. But he needs your cooperation. So be transformed or changed outwardly by the renewing of your mind. Why, why do you say that? Because, you're, because what you think is why you're where you are. Now, understand something. God's not controlling what's going on in your head. You are. But he's constantly talking to you, and so is the devil, and so are your relatives. Everybody seems to have an opinion about the way they think you ought to be doing something. And that you and I are the deciding factor on what we end up thinking about and, what, and, where, and the direction we go in our life. So that's Romans 12. Go to, go to James chapter 3. So how is this done? 3.1, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that you'll receive the stricter judgment. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, the Greek word there is mature, and able to bridle the whole body. So what is really controlling you? Your mouth. Let me stop here for a minute. We're going to read this in just a second. I want you to pay attention. Well, let me just read it. Let me just read it. Let me don't get ahead of myself. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth so they'll obey us, and we turn their whole body. That's a big horse. You know, I've seen children ride 1,500-pound horses and make a mind because they've got the reins in their hands. You might have a little wimpy devil snatching you around by your tongue. Just don't give him the rain. Now, this next one is where I want to go. Look at ships. Although they are so large, are driven by fierce winds and are turned by a very small rudder. Boats are huge. You ever been to Cape Canaveral and seen the size? Ships are huge. You know, there's movies out. We've all seen them. Ships in the ocean during a storm and people are being slung all over the place. And 
But that ship, though it is large and though the storm is great, will end up going wherever the pilot turns that little tiny piece of metal at the rear end of that ship. That ship is not going where the storm's taking it. The storms of life are not controlling you. That is. Folks, this is good news. Why is it good news? Because Satan doesn't have as much control over you as you think he does. Your best days are ahead of you. As long as you understand how God operates. And he gave you the ability to use words. What I'm going to do today is we're going to talk about how powerful it is and become very conscious of what we say, who we talk to, how we talk, and then we're going to close out this morning by, by learning how to sell. What is self-talk? It's when you talk to yourself. Dummy. You stupid thing. Why did you do that? See, if you could just hear yourself talk, you stupid thing. Why do you talk like that to yourself? Because someone else did. You picked up their talk and adopted their talk. But we're going to learn how to change it and get a hold of your tongue and take your ship wherever you want it to go. This is good. You're going to want to buy the CD if they have them out there. I don't know if they Even so, the tongue is a little member. It is so little that most people don't even pay a whole lot of attention to it. But the Bible has a lot to say about that little thing. It says life and death are in the power of your tongue. Now, we're not just talking about confession this morning. We're going to talk about that. But we're going to talk about everything from you and I talking to people or what you allow other people to say to you and you buy it. Because the devil has been talking to some of y'all. Do you know when he's talking? Do you know whether it's truth or fact? Are they the same? You see, Satan doesn't have a mouth to talk to you. He has to borrow one. God is using my mouth to talk to you. The words that I'm saying right now are painting a picture on your soul. We're going to change some canvas today. So let's think about God for a minute. How powerful the words God always wanted a family and always wanted an earth and always wanted to do what he did. And nothing happened until he said, earth be. Now, let me ask you a question. Where was earth when he said it? Inside of him. He imagined it. But I'm not going crazy on you. But a hummingbird, have you ever studied one? 
They're beautiful. How much blood is in one? How big is their heart? How big are their wings? Someone designed it, but not on paper. God had that hummingbird in him when he went, hummingbird, be. Earth, robin, well, bass. You. So God taught us how powerful words are. Funny thing about it is he gave you the same ability not to create in the same sense that he does. But if you take an oak seed and plant it, it'll make an oak tree. So you can take the seeds he gave you and plant them in your soul and they'll become. So then we got Jesus talking to trees, wind, devils. See, Satan tried to control him, tried to kill him on a boat one night. He went, ocean, settle down. And it went, and they went, what kind of man are you? Jesus was not just doing that to make the sea calm. He was training them to be the men God had designed them to be from the beginning. How did Adam get the animals to come? He spoke. Say, wow. So this is a huge subject. God gave you and I the ability to form words. And words create pictures. See, you think pictures. You don't think. If I say dog, you don't think D-O-G. So let's get more. Lassie. Some of you are thinking Timmy and Soup. That's not what I said. Never mind, y'all. You, you don't understand. These guys have no idea what I just said. Do y'all know that? You don't even know what I said. Huh, you know what I said. Timmy and Soup. Okay. So if I said Lassie, you have a picture of a collie. If I said Ren 1010, you've got a German shepherd. If I said liar, you're thinking of a politician. <laughs> but we... <laughs> or a lawyer. We think pictures. God knows we think pictures. Have y'all, do y'all dream in color? I had a dream the other night. I'm not going to tell you what it was. None of your business. But it's cool when dreams are vivid and you wake up and you're shocked that it wasn't real, that it could be so real. But we dream pictures, we think pictures. That's the thing that separates us from animals. An animal has never created anything other than dig a hole or bury a bone or... But, but God, made in, man made, God made man in his own image and in his own likeness and gave us an uncanny ability and for us to use words and use them rightly. All right. Anyway, I'm just getting started. Numbers 13. Go to Numbers 13. Let's, let's study the misuse of words and why it is 
that sometimes things don't work. Sometimes we have to study what doesn't work so we'll know what does work, right? Okay. There's a, there's a teaching in the body of Christ that God is in control. And everywhere you go on, the, on television, you hear God is in control. But if he is, he sure has this nation in a mess. Now don't shout me down. If he's in control, why can't he get you to tithe? Because he's not. You are. If he's in control, why are people going to hell? Because he's not in control. He's only in control of what you've given him control of. So are there things happening in America and your life that are not his will? Yes, they are. But today we're going to change that. You're going to learn how to cooperate with God and let him lead you where he wants you to go. Okay, we're in Numbers 13, and we're going to start with verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession of the land. We're well able to overcome it. And the men who had gone with him said, no, we're not able to go against his people. They're stronger than we are. That's true. Listen, I didn't say it's truth. I said it's a fact. Now, we got to stop here for a minute. Do you know the difference between truth and the fact? Because yeah. a lot of times we hear on the television something that's a fact. And we're calling it truth. It's not truth. Yeah. Were they stronger? Yes. Could they defeat them? No. You see, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it says Eve looked at the tree and said, it's beautiful. That's a fact. It'll make you wise. That's a fact. It tasted good. That's a fact. You see, the problem with you and I, we're not doing immoral. We're just following facts and not truth. More people are interested in the way you made them feel than what is truth. Just because you feel offended doesn't mean you're right. I've been offended and been wrong. Television manipulates you to the point that you're ready to kill the guy. Because they didn't give you all the facts. Now I'm just talking about CNN and ABC and NBC now. Satan's a master of just giving you just enough. But God gave you the truth. That's enough of that. Okay. The men going up says, we're not able to go against these people. They're stronger than we are. That's true. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. It didn't say that it was immoral. It didn't say it was ungodly. Just said it's a bad report. Why? Because God said, I've given you the land. And they said they're stronger than we are. And that is a fact. They were stronger than them. Were they bigger? Yes. Were there more of them? Yes. Every time God gives you a dream, it'll be impossible. Without him. And you'll go, what? Me? Because ah. he believes in you more than you believe in you. 
We're not able to go into Israel. They're stronger than we are. And they gave their children a bad report. And the land they had spied out, the land that we've gone to spies, the land is that devours its inhabitants. And we saw the people there, the men of great stature. They're big, they're tall. They're, oh my God, look how big these guys are. And they saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came and they were like, and, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Now, this is where the movie came from. And if you weren't laughing, you didn't see that movie either. We'll explain all this to y'all later. It's a karate movie that was before Jet Li. <laughs> Who told them they were grasshoppers? They did. God never told them they were a grasshopper. That's how they see their self. Let me tell you right now, you are going in the direction of your most dominant thought. You say, you don't know what I'm thinking. Yes, I do. I can watch what you're doing. Let's talk about sin a minute. Oh my God, no, this was a good sermon until now. Hold on. Did you know that people don't commit adultery and they don't jump into bed until they've been having sex with that woman in their mind long before they ever dove into bed? Did you know that when people kill each other, they've been killing each other in their mind long before they ever pulled the act? You know, people rob stores. They've been breaking into stores and planning robberies long before they ever busted the door down. You see, your imagination is where you conceive things. You can't sin unless Satan can get in your head. Let's flip it. You can't be healed unless God can get in yours. You can't be blessed unless God can get in your head. And you have to start seeing what you can't see. Now see, you're already doing it. You're already imagining things that aren't there. It's just that it's easy to do in the negative. You know what they said to me? They ain't talking like that to me ever again. What are you doing? You've got a fight going on. And it's in your head. Why don't you think like this? They get around me again, I'm going to give them $10. And if they bother me again, I'm giving them 20. The next time they get around me, I'm going to say something nice. Bible says a wise man studies to answer. See, you see, you are right now whatever you've been thinking about. Who's run? Be transformed hourly by the renewing of what? Your mind. God's got a lot of stuff he's wanting to do in you, but he's got to get you to see it before he can ever bring it to pass. You've got to get pregnant right now with a vision from God. When God wanted to bring his son in the earth, it didn't happen in a week. It didn't happen in 30 days. He said, Mary, I want you to have a baby. I want it to be God. She goes, amen, according to your word. She didn't have a baby in a week. 
You know, there's a lot of things God said to you. Are you nursing it? Are you reading it? Are you, are you allowing that thing that he said to form on the inside of you so you can give birth to it? And oh my God, I already went in the next Sunday sermon. I need to stop. Paul Young Cho was at David Young Cho. God told him, he says, he said, he said, I'm believing for a bicycle. And God says, you got to get pregnant with a bicycle. What are you allowing in your heart? Because that's what you're going to give birth to, good or bad. And what's controlling that? Your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is talking. That's what's changing. That's what's taking you either down the wrong road or the right one right now. Not the circumstances, your mouth. If God can get you to, to start paying attention to what you're saying, he can turn things around. You could take the land, but you gotta see yourself David didn't see Goliath killing him. He saw Goliath dying. And he said, I'm fixing to cut your head off, big boy. He said, he's too big. He said, he's too big to miss. I killed a lion and I killed a bear and you ain't squat. But he was the only one on the field that saw Goliath dead. They all saw themselves dead. And they talked it. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, he's doing better than your amen in right now. You might want to kick it up a notch, okay? Go to Proverbs 15. Come on, I'm not done with you yet. When I get finished with you, your life is going to be a whole lot better than it is right now. You know, if you pray enough, God will show you how to fix your stuff. You know how I learned this? He taught me how to fix my stuff. All right, Proverbs 15, 28. Look at this. The heart of the righteous studies the answer. You know, sometimes you don't need to say something so quick. Now, I'm going to tell you who's the master at this. Lisa. I'm going to tell you how I know. There's times we'll be talking about something, and I'll ask a question, and she don't say nothing. Like Tar Baby. And I'll say, uh, what do you think about that? She goes, I don't want to answer right now. I don't want to say something I'll regret later. I want to think about this whole while. And I thought, well, that's pretty smart. I wish I was that smart. <laughs> I'm more the one just throw off and say something stupid and then go back later and go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And she's more apt to... No, I'm going to wait until I answer you. Is it possible for you to study how to talk? Yes. We should learn to use our words for the benefit. If it's controlling our life, are we thinking about what we're talking about? That's huge, folks. That's huge. The wise man studies to answer. He studies, and, and I've, this has been my big booger. I don't know another word. 
saying the wrong thing at the wrong time and wishing I God I hadn't said that. And I'm telling you, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch, if you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna start watching my words, you're you're gonna have to study because your mouth is where you're conceiving the good, the bad, and the ugly. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You say you want life? Now, we're going to talk in a little bit about self-talk. We're going to talk about talking to each other. We're going to talk in a little bit about the words people have said to you that are still controlling you today and what to do about it. Every one of us have had things people said to us and they hinder us even now. Me too. All of us. But we have to understand how it happened and the fact that the devil used that. Most of the time, the person didn't even know they were just being bad. But they were. And you're stuck at a spot in life because of words. Someone said say this is big. Can you overcome it? Absolutely. Absolutely. The word of God will change anything. The word will change anything. Whoa, that's huge. Let's look at a few more here. Proverbs 15, 2. I'm just going to go down. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. The mouth of fools... (laughs) It just runs off at the mouth. Verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Verse 7, the slips of the wise disperse knowledge. The heart of the fool does not do so. Verse 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? It's huge. Now, I, I, I want to stop right there, and I, and I want to talk, talk about this. I'm going to anyway, so say amen. amen. I, I want us to do something now. We need to overcome words people have said to us, Charlie. People said things to us, and they did damage to us. But really, we didn't. You know, there's people who said to me, why do you act? that way and and the answer is I don't know I don't know why I act like I act but I can guarantee you you could trace it back to something someone I loved or respected said that I took to heart come on I'm reading out of Andrew Romek's book The Power of Imagination in case you want to know Usually when I do this, all the books get sold about an hour after the... A good friend of mine grew up under a mean, angry father. Anybody been there? Living under a father's roof, his father's was oppressive. He told me once how his dad had used cars for parts. They probably had 50 junk cars parked on their farm at any given time. His dad would take parts off of one, repair something else. Every time my friend helped repair a car, his dad would say, you're so stupid, you can't screw a nut on a bolt. Now, folks, 
You got to pay attention to what you're saying to people, especially your kids. Let me stop right here. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a a side note. Never, 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 never discipline a child for making a mistake. Mistakes are inevitable. They're normal. That's a part of life. Child got his milk and he sets it on the table and he sets it on the edge of the cup holder and it spills. You stupid idiot. What the heck is wrong with you? I mean, you know what milk costs today? Good God, get up and clean it up. And when you get through, go to your room. I mean, I mean, you just screwed up a whole dinner. Just get it. Just get out of here. You, just, what? 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 What are you? What are you? What's the kid worth? What's the milk worth? You say my kids are rebellious. You ever wonder why? All right, let's talk about that on the positive side. Oh, mama spilled. Yeah, it's just milk. Honey, clean it up. It's going to be okay. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with using your words? Now, always deal with rebellion. So if the same kid says, mom, shut up. Woo. That's a different story. I brought you in the world. I'm thinking about taking you out. So let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. I'm, I'm going I'm to throw some ideas. I'm going to, listen, very, very important. And many of us grew up with people saying things to us. And you and I are going to have to do something. We need to abort those words in your mind. The word of God. We're going to talk about self-talk in a minute. We're going to talk about how to abort that mess. Kids playing baseball. He strikes out. Now he feels humiliated, gets in the car, and his mom goes, what was that? Can't you hit a ball? I mean, you practiced. I know, Mom. I'm, I'm just a loser. Well, just get in the car. Put your ball up. Put your bat up. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, good God, son. I mean, you ought to, you ought to be able to hit a ball by now. What's going on in that kid's mind? I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm never playing this game again. Well, let's turn it around. What happened? Mom, I struck out. Let me tell you something, honey. Did you know that everybody that's ever played ball strikes out more than they hit? All you are on is the road to success. Everybody strikes out. Honey, let me tell you something. Your dad is going to get with you this afternoon and help you work on it, but you're a slugger. Don't you let one little game determine you. You're a good ball player. You are a good ball player. You. What are you doing? What are you painting? What are you painting? A picture. It's a mistake. Not the end of the world. Let's go serious now. Fat people don't need to be called fat because it makes them eat more donuts. They're already fat. So what are you painting? Fat. So you just helped them gain 10 pounds. 
No shouting me down. I mean, I'll come over here and I'll go back over there and preach. Very important how you study, how you want to motivate your children, your husband, your wife, the people you work with. I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about, you know, you came to work late three days this week. (laughs) You're getting ready to get fired. All right. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about just daily life. And then a minute we're going to get into self-talk. Where your biggest enemy is that you even talk to yourself like that. You're trying to lift yourself up by beating yourself up. Most people, when they make a mistake, they're already doing a real good job of beating on themselves. I told Lisa one time, I screw up on Sunday. Don't say anything to me till Tuesday. I already know I screwed up. You just be quiet. I said, if you don't, if you say anything else, I'm driving my own truck. I don't want to hear it on the way home. Let me just, in defense of myself, you don't do this 104 times a year and never screw up. It don't happen. But I have found out that I'm only as good as my last sermon. If I say something really stupid, there's people, it wouldn't matter if, we have people that have gotten born again in this church, filled with the Holy Ghost and healed at left. I mean, it's sad. It's amazing how you can go negative so fast. We'll talk about, see, I can't get into it. We need to talk later about being thankful. When's the last time you sat back and thought about all of the good things that's going on in your life right this minute? We we won't get there today, but we will get there. We are going to go there live in the greatest nation on the world and we are some of the most unhappy people on the planet. If you're on unemployment, you're richer than 98% of the people on the planet. Woke up this morning in an air-conditioned house, had breakfast, slept in a bed, drove here to an automobile, didn't ride a donkey or walk down a dirt road and you came in sad. What are you thinking about? Woo! I'm going to get ahead of myself. Are you all ready? The Bible says if you're unthankful, God will turn you over to a reprobate mind. You say, well, I'm just having a bad day. That's your fault. Ain't nobody making you think bad stuff. Not when you're in a church with a pastor like me. And you say, well, don't you think a little more highly of yourself? No. I had to start thinking highly of myself because I was the only one that did. If I don't like me, who else is going to? I'm not talking about self-love. I'm just talking about liking myself. I got to be around me all day. I might as well enjoy myself. I got to finish this story. Y'all are holding me up. You're so stupid you can't put a nut on a boat. Remember that? We were there a while ago. All right. After years of hearing the message, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy to my friend's life. I remember working with him on a car years later, and as smart and capable as my friend was, I'd watch him shake every time he put a nut on a bolt. He'd, he'd, he'd cross-thread it. One time, my friend put the nut on just fine, and he got so afraid, he unthreaded it and put it back on and kept doing it until he cross-threaded it. 
He never put one on right from that day forward. Because the image his father put in his mind. It's amazing what you and I are doing right now that got us stuck. To this day, I've never seen my friend put a bolt on that wasn't cross-threaded. His dad's word painted an image that limited what he could do. My mother, and this is Andrew again, was a school teacher. She loved education and made a big deal out of our academic achievements. When I was in sixth grade, my brother took a test that tagged him at the genius level. When I heard my mother talking about his results, I said, what about mine? And she said, you're two points above an idiot. Years later, she laughed about that day and said, Andy, I was just joking, but I never knew it was a joke. Her words spoken in jest painted a picture of mediocrity in my mind, and I struggled with it for years. Now, see, we're talking, she's just joking. This is what caused me to sit back and ask myself, what is it that I'm saying to people? Am I saying words that will help them? Now, you, you preach enough, you realize I'm either helping you or destroying you. And I thought, this is quite a, I, I really got to watch what I say. And I had to start studying to talk. What, what am I saying? What am I, what's, what's, being, what's being painted on your soul when I preach? When I was a boy growing up, I had a school teacher named Miss Armstrong. My mother and father got a divorce, and we lived in Dorville, Georgia. My dad was a Marine, came home from um, the war, but he was an alcoholic. And I don't, I don't belittle him because back then, a lot of the guys in the military just fought and drank. It was just the way life was. Well, they try to put them back in civilian lifestyle. That doesn't work real well. So I don't down my father. Mom and dad got a divorce, and then so we moved back to Athens, Georgia, and put me in a brand new school with brand new kids, and I'm already feeling it. And the teacher asked me to stand up and spell if. Well, I was terrified, and I said F-I in front of everybody, and of course they laughed, and I just said, this doesn't work real good for me. And I stopped talking to her completely. She'd ask me something, and I'd just sit there in the chair and look at her. They ended up moving me to Miss Nix's class because I wouldn't talk to the teacher. I figured, well, if you don't say anything, you won't do anything stupid. So I stopped talking. I stopped talking to people completely. And in Miss Nix's class, she finally got me to open up and talk a little more. But I remained that way until I got born again and started finding out who I was in Christ. Well, I'm sitting at Raymond. They want, in speech class, I got to get up and talk. This is the first time since third grade. And I'm terrified to say anything in front of people. And I said, well, I got to learn to do it. This is what I'm called to do. I might as well learn. I got to overcome it. So I overcame by the word Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I began to get an image inside of myself of being a preacher. I had to give birth to it inside. I had to see it before I did it. 
So the day, Dr. Poinsett, which came from um, um, Oral Roberts University, I spoke for four minutes and 30 seconds. We weren't allowed to use this, uh, um, scripture. I, I, I gave a talk on work, on, on work ethics. That's one of the things God taught me was how to work, how to actually hold down a job. And so when I got finished, Dr. Poinsett brings us all in, lines us all up and tells the whole class, leave, I'm going to talk to all these guys that spoke today. And he lines us all up on the chair, makes them lock the door. And he goes down the list and said, you did this wrong and you did that wrong and you did that wrong and you did that wrong. And he said, Mr. Morgan, I'll talk to you privately. And I went, oh. I mean, he chewed them out. I'm, I'm out of Ramah. I'm, they're sending me home. I mean, I'm just. And he looked at me and he said, on the test, there's a question is anything, is there such a thing as a born speaker? He said, what is the answer to that question, Mr. Morgan? I said, there's no such thing as a born speaker. He said, that is correct. But you are. Wow. I went, woo. <laughs> what do you think his words did to me? He painted, he he unpainted a picture and he repainted a canvas of my heart that I could actually preach the gospel. And he, and he helped me overcome years and years and years of words. I said all of that because God's got some words he wants to say to you to undo a lot of stuff that people have said and you took it to heart. Y'all are doing better job of amening right now than I was. Let's talk about self-talk now. Philemon 1.6. If you, the number one person you need to talk right to you would be you. The number one person who's painting on the canvas of your soul is you. You're either painting defeat or you're painting victory. You're either painting sickness or you're painting health. Now let me make a statement to you before you get started. This is not easy to do. Don't you be deceived, you're going to hear a sermon on this and you're going to leave today and you have conquered this. All I have done was show you how. If you do this, you're going to embark on something that is not easy to do. Because walking by faith and not by sight, you are looking at what you cannot see and replacing it with what you're looking at. Because if you can't see what you can't see, you'll never see it. 
You're going to see victory before you ever see victory. You're going to see yourself walking before you walk. You're going to see yourself making money when everyone else is not making money. You're going to see that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus Christ only because the word of God says he loves you as much as Jesus. You've got to use this book to start repainting on the canvas of your soul. Get your mind renewed to the way God sees you, the way God thinks about you. And it is not easy to do. It is not easy to do. Because everything in the world around you, from the way you feel to the people, are telling you it's not true. So you're going to fight. 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 Cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That is not the way God said. That is not what God said. I'm telling you, most people don't do this. You want to walk in? Someone pray for you and fix all the problems you're too lazy to fix. Don't shout, don't get mad at me. You want God to do it. Well, he ain't gonna do it. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. Be transformed outwardly. Everything by the renewing of your mind. You wanna be a millionaire? You're going to start thinking like one. And you're not going to go to fifth grade out of first. You're going to second. And then you're going to third. And then you're going to fourth. Oh, boy. Where is Philemon? I mean, a good Lord, put it on screen. By the sharing of your faith, that you may become effective by acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ. How do you change your life? You got to start acknowledging it. Don't just read your Bible. Now, don't get mad at me if you're a Baptist. But I went to a Baptist church. And when you learned the scripture, they gave you a gold star. So I'm not making fun of the Baptist. I'm just talking about my childhood. Learning scriptures is more than a star. If that scripture hasn't changed your thinking, you, it didn't matter whether you read it or not. This book was designed to change the way you think. I've read scriptures before that when I read them, I went, "Uh uh-uh. There ain't no way that's right. My soul kicked it out. You are the righteousness of God. My soul went, not you, Jack. You're an idiot. You're a bum. You're a sinner. You ain't worth a dime. And we think, Kenneth Copeland, Daryl Morgan, That's not the way God talks. But you know, he didn't rewrite my Bible. The next time I picked it up, it said the same thing. And I'm reading it and my brain's going, that's not about you. 
Where do you think Jesus found out who he was? The word. When he was in his own church, he said, give me a Bible. I want to show you me. Where do you think he found out who he was? Where are you going to find out who you are? You better find, you're going to find you in there or you ain't never going to find you. You know why you ain't never raised nobody from the dead? You ain't never seen yourself raising nobody from the dead. You know why you want someone to do all your praying for you? Because you've never seen yourself in the throne room of a God who loves you saying, come on in. I got things for you. I love you. I'm going to answer all your prayer. You are awesome. You still believe what your mama said about you. You are who he said you are. You can do what he said you can do. You can go where he said you can go. The prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. I am a righteous man. My prayers change nations. Folks, you, you got to train yourself to think like that. And when you do, you're going to stick out. People are going to go, who do you think you are? Jesus? Oh, God, I would never say that. And that's why you're messed up. I was eating lunch with pastors in Apopka. And there's a pastor there who was a good guy. And he's seven-day Adventist. And he saw me eating fish and vegetables, being a good boy, like Lisa told me. <laughs> no, she didn't really. She's... He said, you'd make a good seven-day Adventist. And I looked up over my grouper and said, no, I don't think so. I was being nice. I said, no, I don't think so. And I went back to eating my fish, and he said, no, I'm serious. You'd make a good seven-day Adventist. And I looked up over my grouper and said, no, I don't think I'd make a good seven-day Adventist. And I went back to eating my broccoli. (laughs) And he pushed it. No, you'd make a great seven-day Adventist. I just put my fork down, and I said, Well, first of all, I don't think I could be a seven-day Adventist because I believe in going to church on the first day of the week and not to, I don't believe it matters. And I said, and I said, not only that, but I believe that I am the church. I don't believe I can go to church. I believe I am the church. And he said, well, and then he starts arguing with me and finally I had enough of it and I said, I am the Sabbath. And every preacher picked up something to kill me with. I wasn't trying to be smart. Where is Jesus living? That would make you the temple. That means every day is the Sabbath. And if you don't want to fight with me, don't stop me from my grouper. (laughs) 
But it's amazing how many people don't even know what this says. Why does it call us the body if we're not the body? Why does it say, as he is, so am I in the world? Why did it say, greater is he that's in me if the one in me ain't worth 10 cents? But you see, reading it creates pictures. God wants to change. See, he wants to change your life and he can't change it until he changes your soul. As a man thinks, so is he. So what's the difference in you and other people? It's really just basically how much you've allowed the word of God to change your thinking. That's, God doesn't love it, Jerry Savelle or Kenneth Copeland more than he loves you. It's just that they think different than you do. They've done something with their soul. Words are important, but self-talk. How do you talk to yourself? We call it confessing the word. It's more than that. When Satan said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, when's the last time he challenged you? (laughs) If, really. Jesus talked back. You might want to have a conversation with the devil. And the next time he starts talking, he's trying to paint a picture on your canvas. You might want to take it and go, I don't think we're going to use that color today. You remember what the doctor said. I heard him, but I remembered what Jesus said. Let me, let me give you, I'm going to change subjects now and teach you about health. Want to learn about healing? What is the root of sickness? Sin. Impossible for Satan to put sin in your bo- sickness in your body without it attaching to sin. Can't be done. Had to get Adam to sin in order to get him sick. Sickness is a byproduct of sin. If you're forgiven, sin has no dominion. So the real key to health is not believing in health, but believing you're forgiven. Shandai. Have y'all ever watched people when they're in the airport, when I'm at the airport? They hadn't said a word. What are they thinking? I don't know, but it ain't good. <laughs> what are they thinking? Come on, y'all. Don't tell me your, your body's following your brain. You say, my bad, my day ain't been going so good. <laughs> what? Erase it and start over. That's good. 
I'm out of time. I'm going to do one more thing. Just, y'all okay? I read, I quoted that one. Philippians 4, 6. Go to Philippians 4, 6. Say hallelujah. Y'all didn't preach me happy. Isn't this good? See, you need, you need a diet of good. You need to go someplace, someone go, just preach me happy, Pastor. Just preach me happy. And I'll do it. I'll preach you happy. You know where I learned this? Overcoming all of the stuff that I was thinking. I had to realize that it wasn't people. I mean, circumstances are bad, I know, but wait a minute. I got control over something, and it isn't people. Look at Philippians 4, um, 7. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, let's go back up. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything my prayer and supplication with what? Wait a second now. You say, but you don't know what I've been going through. I don't care. You can get thankful about something. I showed you the guy walking. He's thankful that he ate. And he probably just left Starbucks. The other person, they messed up her order. Okay, listen, listen, listen to me. Let's listen to me. You decide what you think about. Tomorrow morning, wake up and don't get out of the bed until you've counted your blessing. I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Jesus. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. <laughs> Woo! I slept in a bed last night. <laughs> Under air conditioner last night. <laughs> I got a car that runs. <laughs> I got a job to go to. I'm going to close with this. The Bible says in Romans 1, I said this earlier, that what's wrong with the world today? Greatest nation in the world. I know if people are crazy. I know, I know, I know. We've all heard about it. Shut up. You're still the best one in the earth. And you're still born again. And you're still on your way to heaven. What do you want to sit around and, and, and gripe all day for? So Lisa and I are driving through Boston. Left, right, right, left. Merritt just being strained. And I said, aren't you glad we have a car? Aren't you glad we haven't wrecked and killed anybody? I got to have a good thought right now. I need a good thought right now. 
Aren't you glad we're gonna have some more lobster bisque tonight? Woo, thank you, dear. In other words, right now, I'm not thinking good. I mean, I'm like, these are people, they're all crazy. And I'm fixing to kill somebody in a Lexus. Now cut me off. <laughs> and I had to have a good thought. And we just stopped and talked about the goodness of God and went on down the road. And the BMW still had nobody's paint on it. God knows it almost happened two or three times. Uh, Everybody who wants to learn to drive should go to Boston. If you can make it through the city, you can drive a car. But don't do it without someone on a GPS because you will end up, you don't know where. And all these people that used to live in Boston know. How many of y'all are ready to do something about the life you live in? Aren't you glad that it's not up to the wind? Y'all have no idea how powerful that is. I understand. Some of you have been through stuff and there have been people who've said things and done things to you and I get it. I get it. Bury it and move on. Nobody, doesn't matter what they said. When I was in fourth grade, fifth grade, my, 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 my cousin used to send me his clothing. I didn't have, I had all hand-me-downs. And, and he was shorter than me. I invented knickerbockers. <laughs> I did. I went into school every day and all of my pants were there. Jimmy Barry, my cousin, and I have his clothes on. Boy, you're talking about people making fun of you. One day, the teacher said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I'd like to be a doctor. And she said, well, I wouldn't come to you. You'd probably kill me. I still remember her statement. It affected me a long time. You are an idiot. Lisa will tell you, don't call me an idiot. Because I might punch your lights out. I haven't completely got saved of that yet. I have. I'm doing better. But I grew up in that atmosphere. It's not easy to overcome it. But you have to. You have to stop and go. I'm his workmanship. I'm no idiot. My clothes don't define me. The teacher in fourth grade don't define me. People don't define who you are. God defines who you are. I want you to do something right now. I want you to make up your mind that you're not going to make... That was a good sermon. I want you to do me one thing. I want you to take this home for more than a day. I want you to make up your mind right now. I am going to study what I say about myself and what I allow other people to say to me, whether it's 
aligns up with the word of God or not. And then what did God say about it? And you're going to find out something. You're going to be in a fight. When the doctor says you don't have a year to live, you go, I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to go to Alaska. You say, what are you going to do there? Climb a mountain. You can't. I will. Jesus said, I have what I say. Don't think that my mind didn't fight me. You are not going to be here in 12 months. That was 12 14 years ago. Don't think I hadn't had a battle or two. You think that because I'm a pastor, I just lay hands on myself. I wish. But I've had to fight this one. Fight. Pick up this book and read it and tell the devil where to go. I'll live and not die. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm his workmanship. He made me. And he didn't make a mistake. Come on. Let's lift our hands. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for our words. Thank you that we can use words, Father. We can use our own words. Jesus used his, told the people who he was, told the devil who he was, told us who he was. We can do the same thing. Father God, I pray right now that as I'm about to close this service, that we would learn that we can actually change the the painting on our our soul from, from defeat to victory, from sick to well, to, to uh, the victim to victor. But it's up to us to do it. And no one else has the right to uh, to paint. No one has a right to paint on my canvas but but God. And a paint I will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you one more story? I I, I almost forgot it, so I got to tell it to you. I'm reading in one of T.L. Osborne's books years and years ago about a man over, overseas and probably in Europe someplace and he went downtown into the area where all the bums were and there was, a, there was a bum laying on a bench sleeping on the bench at night and he had a canvas, he had a painting he said, may I paint you? and he said, I guess he said, I'll pay you he goes, sure, I'll let you paint me so the bum sits up on the bench and the man starts painting several hours later the the bum looks at him and goes can I see what you've painted he says I'm almost finished and when he finished he turns the painting to the man and it was a very distinguished man in a suit very wealthy very well off And the bum looked at it and said, is that me? He said, sir, it's the you I see. He said, can I have that? He said, I painted it for you. He said, this is the me I will be. Someone saw something good in him. 
How did God paint you? Royal. King of kings. Lord of lords. Is it wrong to think well of yourself? No. Think God thoughts. I didn't say fantasy. How does he see you? This is the me I will be. I'm healthy here. I'm wealthy here. I'm blessed here. So I'm going to begin painting on my canvas. You guys have a great week. You got some painting to do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And that day that that teacher said, he, when he said he wanted to be a doctor, she said, well, if, if you're going to be that, I won't come to you. You'll probably kill me. Did you know that today he is a doctor? Dr. Daryl Morgan. He was one of the choicest teachers to teach in a very good Bible school in Orlando. And he was teaching people in their masters, getting their masters and their doctorates. And they're like, we can't have you teaching the material as wonderful as all this is and all the experience that you have. You're teaching and blowing away these classes that are getting their doctorates and their masters. So we're going to award you a doctor of divinity. So... Amen. And what he didn't tell you about the story of the, the guy that called him a born speaker is that the reason he called him that is that when he was sitting there listening to him, he got so distracted by his story that he forgot to grade him. So there were no marks on the paper. He forgot to critique him and hit the little boxes. He, all, he totally forgot to grade him. Isn't that wonderful? So as my altar workers are coming forward this morning, we will go over shortly the words. This is where it all begins, is your words and his words first. That it said, if you will confess, Romans 10, 9 and 10, says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not enough just to believe. Jesus said, now open your mouth and confess with your mouth, Jesus, your Lord. If you don't ever remember a time you doing that, today, God said, today is the day of salvation. Don't leave here without not being sure. Well, I think, don't just think. No, Jesus said, it's behind me, I hope, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And if you've never done that, today do it. So the angels in heaven, it says the angels in heaven rejoice when just one person comes in and is saved. Amen. Because there is a hell to shun. We're not ashamed to say there's a hell to shun. And there's a heaven to gain. It's not everybody's good. Everybody's going to go to their own happy place. You're not all going to the happy place. Unless that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. 
So if you're here today... We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.